Well, let's pray. Our Father who is in heaven, good morning, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thank you for sacrificing so much to include us and your family. Thank you. That's why we're here to say thank you. Hallowed be your name. Oh, may we lift up your name in our conversations and work and witness this week. May we lift up the name of Jesus, the name by which every knee will bow and every tongue will confess one day. May we treat your name as holy. We pray that your kingdom would come, not ours, yours. King Jesus, may your Holy Spirit fall fresh on us that we would want to follow you, that we would want to share the good news of the kingdom with every person we meet. King Jesus, how we look forward to that day when you come back and wipe every tear from our eyes and make all things new. Come, King Jesus, come quickly. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Holy Spirit, fall fresh on us. Give us the desire and power to, to follow Jesus now, to do God's will on earth. And as people see that, may others be drawn to follow after you too. Give us this day our daily bread. You know our financial needs as individuals and as a church meet our needs. You know all of our physical needs, those who need healing and homes. And Lord, meet our needs. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Oh, may we be a forgiven, forgiving people. And so we pause and confess our sins to you. And Lord, as you forgive us much, help us to forgive those that have wronged us, those in our family and church and community. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lord, we're fighting evil. We need your help. Deliver us from the evil that's within us, our flesh. Lord, deliver us from the world that's always trying to squeeze us into its mold. Lord, deliver us from the evil one, the liar and the deceiver. Help us to know the truth. May your truth set us free. We pray as we open your word together today that your spirit would teach us. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. If you're new, welcome. We are walking through the book of 1 Peter it's kind of toward the end of the Bible. We'd love to have you uh, bring a Bible and follow with us. But in 1 Peter chapter 4, and before I read this, I, I want you to know if you're new, we're walking through this book. We're seeking to equip you to follow Jesus in an increasingly hostile culture. If you're a Christian living in our culture, you're saying, wow, it's different than it used to be. So we're trying to equip you so that you can follow Jesus in an increasingly hostile culture. 1 Peter 4, we'll start with verse 1. Therefore, since Christ also suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same purpose, because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for the lust of men, but for the will of God. Do you know who Mike Tyson is? I don't get to quote him often. But he said, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Isn't that true? 
Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Every person who professes faith in Christ, they love Jesus until they get punched in the mouth. Have you ever been punched in the mouth for Jesus, have you? This morning, uh, uh, I've got some bad news for you, and I've got some good news for you. Um, which would you rather have first? The bad news? Okay, here's the bad news. Going to be in jail, and some of us are going to die for our faith. And I want to prepare you for what is to come and so I want you to know that Jesus is worth suffering for. When we hook our wagon to Jesus and say, I want to follow you in our culture, we get, we get a purpose. We get a purpose big enough to suffer for, big enough to die for. Do you see that? He says, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, I'm... Arm yourselves also with the same purpose. You see, Jesus had a purpose so big, so great. He was willing to suffer for it. He was willing to die for it. And what was that purpose? Didn't he tell us? Didn't he share with us that purpose in Luke 19, verse 10? Jesus said, what? For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Do you know what Jesus said? People, you and me, mattered so much to Jesus that he was willing to leave heaven to come and seek and save us, that we were willing, we were worth suffering for, we were worth dying for. Well, why did we, why did we require such suffering from him? Remember, remember last week we were in 1 Peter and we were reading last week in 1 Peter chapter 3. Remember verse 18 from last week, for Christ also died for once for Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust. Why so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh but made alive in the spirit? That verse is the gospel. It has bad news. It, when we ask the question, what's wrong with the world? What's wrong with the world? The Bible says what? That I'm what's wrong with the world and you are. That our problem is sin and it's universal. It's true of all of us. And what is sin? It's cosmic rebellion against God. God, don't tell me how to live. I'll do life my way. And so every one of us has sinned against God over and over again. And what we deserve for our cosmic rebellion is hell itself. That's the bad news. Here's the good news, Christ. Jesus Christ is God made man, and he came to earth to seek and save sinners, living a perfect life for us, and then dying. Notice what it says. The just one, the one who had never sinned, died for the unjust. He was fully man. He could take our place. As God, his death would be of infinite value. He died for us once for all. He took our sins upon himself, and he died in our place once and for all. 
And he really did die, but he didn't stay dead. On the third day, he rose from the grave, and he offers us eternal life, the forgiveness of sins, the chance to do life with him now and forever. He offers us salvation. And what is salvation? It's a salvation from, from the guilt of our sin, from wasting our lives, from wasting our eternity. It's salvation for forgiveness, a salvation for a life that matters, a purpose big enough to give our lives to. It's a salvation for an eternity with Jesus. And what does he require of us? Oh, in Romans 10, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Notice he says that we're saved by faith. He didn't say try harder, be better, you can do it. He says, no, we need to confess with our mouth. Have you? Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. That's how we're saved. And and believing in Christ really is as simple as ABC. It starts when we admit. And if you've never done that, won't you admit and then believe and commit? It starts when we admit, Jesus, I've sinned against you. It's not just the world that's broken. I'm broken. I've sinned. And then we believe, right? Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. That's my only hope is what you did. And then we commit. We commit to Jesus as Savior. Jesus, I'm going to trust you, not me. I'm going to trust you for forgiveness. I'm going to trust you as my Savior. Give me eternal life, won't you? We trust him as Lord. Today the rebellion stops. I want you to move in and take over, and I want to follow after you. Won't you admit, believe, and command? Now, if you've done that, If you've done that, notice what it says, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So Jesus moves into us, and he says what he says, follow me, right? He says, follow me. Listen, Jesus is our model for life and ministry. He's our Savior first. First he saves us, and then he says, follow me. And he calls us to follow him into a purpose, into a purpose that's big enough and great enough to suffer for and to die for. Our chapter began with the word, therefore, and in light of all that he said in the previous chapters. So when we go back to 1 Peter 2, verse 21, we read, for you have been called for this purpose. (laughs) Do you know how many people ask me, well, what's Jesus' purpose for my life? Here it is. You ready? For you have been called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. If we are going to follow Jesus in a hostile culture, then what we want to do is we want to look at Jesus, right? And we want to what? We want to study his life and we want to follow in his steps. And Jesus, as he was carrying out his purpose here on earth, his purpose required suffering, didn't it? And ours will too. Isn't that what we read in verses 1 and 2? Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, since his purpose required suffering, arm yourselves also with the same purpose. Because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for the lust of men, but for the will of God. Here's what Peter is saying. Each of us has to make a decision. We have to make a decision. Am I willing to suffer for Jesus? 
And I think we need to ask another question, and the question is, am I willing to die for Jesus? And if we answer that question, yes, then the world loses its power over us because the world will seek to intimidate us, laugh at us, make us lose our jobs. But listen, if we're willing to suffer, if we're willing to die, the world has lost its power over us. Um, you say, well, what would that look like? What would, you know what it would look like? The Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 20. The Apostle Paul is headed. He's headed to Jerusalem. Do you know what Christians are saying? It's not safe. It's not safe. Don't go there. Don't go there. It's not Have you heard the word safe lately? <laughs> Did you know that's what they were telling him? Don't go. It's not safe. Now, I want you to know I'm a coward by nature, okay? I want to be willing to suffer. I want to be willing to die. Will you pray for me? And one of the reasons I love heroes is they inspire me. And Paul is one of them. Listen to what he said when everyone was saying, don't go. Acts 20, verse 20. And now, behold, bound by the Spirit, I am on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every, <clears throat> in every city saying that bonds and afflictions await me. Paul knew every time he opened his mouth there would be hunger and hostility. He was convinced to preach the gospel anyway. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself so that I may finish my course in the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. Paul says, listen, my life doesn't matter. The people in Jerusalem are forever. And listen, if they die without Christ, it will mean hell for them forever. If I go there and I am put to death, they send me to heaven. They send me to heaven. My life doesn't matter. What matters is that the gospel is preached. You ever wonder why the early church, the gospel spread so rapidly? You, you know why? Because they loved Jesus more than life itself, do we? How about the next chapter? How about the next chapter? In the next chapter, Acts 21, verse 13, then Paul answered, what are you doing? Weeping and breaking my heart, for I am ready not only to be bound, but even to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. What would happen? What would happen in our day when there is a hunger as well as hostility? If there were people, if there were people who said, listen, I'm ready. I'm ready to suffer. I'm ready to die that others might know Jesus. And, and you say, well, well, Smiley, what would that look like today? What would that look like today? <laughs> I, I have many heroes. One of them is John MacArthur. I, he's like 83 years old. And and he's the pastor of Grace Community Church in Los Angeles. And, and California said, you cannot meet for worship. It's too dangerous. So they didn't meet for a couple of months. And then they started meeting. And, and I heard him interviewed. And, uh, and, and they said, um, what, if, what if you end up in prison? You know what he said? Some of my best heroes had a prison ministry. And I've never had one. 
Perhaps that's the last chapter in my life to have a prison ministry. What? What if the Spirit of God fell on us and we believed that we had been called to a purpose so great, so important, that it was worth suffering for and worth dying for? That's what we get with Jesus. You see, Jesus is worth suffering for because when we get Jesus, we get a purpose. We get a purpose big enough to suffer for. He did, didn't he? Big enough to die for. He did, didn't he? You know what else we get? We get the opportunity to suffer for doing what's right rather than doing what's wrong. We get the opportunity to suffer for doing what's right rather than doing what's right. Now, I wish I had better news for you, but suffering is not optional in this life. The only choice we have is whether we will suffer for doing what's right or doing what's wrong. Which would you rather suffer for? Wouldn't you rather suffer with Jesus for doing what's right than with the world for doing what's wrong? That's what he's going to lay out in front of us here in verses 3 and 4. We have that choice. We can either suffer for doing what's right or we can suffer for doing what's wrong. Verse 3, for the time already past is sufficient for you to have carried out the desires of the Gentiles. Are you a Christian? Why did you come to faith in Christ? I mean, if you'd have wanted to continue to sin, why did you just keep sinning? You had plenty of time, right? But now you've signed up what? You've signed up to, to follow Jesus, right? For the time already past is sufficient for you to carry out the desire of the Gentiles. Having pursued a course of sensuality, lust, drunkenness, carousings, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. Nothing changes, right? The world then was characterized by what? By drunkenness and immorality. Does that sound familiar? Does it, does it sound familiar? But listen, it, nothing's changed. The world says, come and sin with us, come and sin with us. And, and, and I want you to know that uh, we have a choice. We can suffer for doing what's wrong or suffer for doing what's right. Because then he goes on, all this they are surprised that you do not run with them into the same excesses of dissipation and they malign you. Hmm. People who sin, will, they, they will suffer. Uh, people who follow Jesus, they will suffer too. You remember when Jesus was crucified, how many crosses were there? How many? Three. And two of them were crucified because why? They were what? They were too bad. I mean, our culture likes bad people, just not too bad people. I mean, we don't like child molesters. We don't like racists, right? But we also don't like what? We don't like really good people either, right? And so Jesus was crucified for doing what's right. The other two were crucified for doing what was wrong, right? We have that choice too. We can suffer for doing what's wrong. I've shared with you before that, that sin is like going on a bike ride. Karen and I once went on this long bike ride in the middle of the state. There are hills in the middle of the state. And you know what we discovered on a bike? There's a downhill thrill, right? It's fun to go downhill, isn't it? But what's the problem with the downhill thrill? Then you have what? The uphill bill, right? So the world, the world enjoys the downhill thrill, but they will suffer because there is always an uphill bill to pass. But sometimes we don't realize there is also suffering for doing what's right. The world, first of all, invites us to sin. Come and sin, come and sin. Now notice, when you put your faith in Christ, maybe you tell a friend, um, I've become a Christian. Uh, do they often say, that's really cool, I think I'll do that too? Do they? 
What, what does the world try and do? It tries to what, pull us back, right? Doesn't it? I, I learned that I grew up on the intercoastal and we had crab traps. And we would catch crabs and we'd stick them in a cooler and one of them would try and climb out. And uh, if they worked together, they could have all climbed out and all been free. But when the other crab saw the one trying to climb out, what do you think they did? They grabbed it and they pulled it back in. And if you left them in there long enough, you know what they did? They ate one another. Isn't that what the world does? We try and come out and the world wants to what? Pull us back and pull us back and destroy us. Oh, you know why we need a church? You know why we need to make room for new people in small groups? Because all their old friends are trying to pull them back and destroy them. And we need to be that new group that's pulling them toward Jesus, toward Jesus, toward Jesus, right? Um, are you ready to be maligned, are you? If we share the gospel today that Jesus, that Jesus is the only way to God, we will be called haters and intolerant. And we will be hated by our culture. Do you, are you ready for that? If we preach the gospel that all people are sinners, if we preach that all people are sinners today, we will be called racist. We will. If we preach what the Bible teaches about marriage and sex, that marriage is God's institution established by God as one man and one woman for life, and that sex belongs and marriage to be enjoyed alone between a husband and wife, we will be hated and persecuted. We could lose our jobs. We could lose our lives. With Jesus... We get a purpose. We get a purpose big enough to suffer for. With Jesus, we get to suffer for doing what's right rather than for doing what's wrong. But we're all going to suffer. It'll just be a matter of for doing what's right or doing what's wrong. Follow Jesus. Thirdly, with Jesus, Jesus really is worth suffering for. With Jesus, we get an eternal perspective, an eternal perspective. And living with an eternal perspective will help us, will help us endure suffering now. And that's what verses 5 and 6 are about. But they, those who malign you, those who persecute you, those who fire you, those who throw you in jail, they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. So many things in our life seem so unfair, so unjust. But, but Peter says, never forget, there will be a judgment day. There will be a judgment day. People will never get away with sin. Jesus is coming back, and all the people who've ever lived will stand before him in judgment. We couldn't live if we didn't know there was going to be a judgment day, right? But then we start thinking about a judgment day, and uh, we can't live knowing there will be a judgment day either, right? Because how can someone like you and me ever stand before the judgment seat of God? Oh, with Jesus, right? Didn't he take all of our sins? Aren't we forgiven? Didn't he give us his righteousness? Doesn't the Bible say we can stand before God because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus? Oh, <clears throat> People won't get away. They won't get away with it. There will be a judgment day. Oh, Jesus, thank you for taking my judgment, so I won't. Now, notice the next verse. For the gospel has for this purpose been preached even to those who are dead, 
that though they are judged in the flesh as men, they may live in the spirit according to the will of God. Um, now, this is a rather difficult verse to um, rather difficult verse to understand, but I'll give it a, a simple shot here, okay? Um, a lot of disagreement, but here's what I believe he's saying. The gospel had been preached in that world. Many had come to saving faith. Many of them had been persecuted. Many had lost their lives. But though they, though they had been put to death, they had immediately gone to be with Jesus. They lived with an eternal perspective. The world says... Um, Listen, this is all there is. So, so listen, they mock us now, but they will suffer forever. Where, listen, eternal perspective says we might be mocked now, but we're going to experience pleasure forever, okay? Live with an eternal perspective. Now, I believe that I forgot something earlier on. Did I talk to you about Moses? Did I talk to you about Moses? I didn't talk to you about Moses, did I? So I don't want to leave Moses, okay? And, and, and I, I'm going to tie two things together here. Uh, okay, they're both in Hebrew, so that'll work good like I planned it. Now, I shared with you uh, how we get to suffer for doing what's right rather than doing what's wrong. I did share that, right? And we might ask, well, what does that look like? So I want to show you what it would look like to suffer for doing what's right rather than for doing what's wrong. And then I'll come back and show you what it looks like to live with an eternal perspective. So don't get lost just because I am, okay? Now, one of my heroes, he's not my savior, but one of my heroes is named Moses. And uh, Moses was born in a hostile culture. You think our culture is hostile. The Egyptians were trying to kill everyone who believed in God. But his mother and father loved him and protected him. And boy, his mom, Jacobed, she did an amazing job. She raised him to know who he was and where he belonged and why he was here. Let me show you Moses. In Hebrews 11, which is the Faith Hall of Fame, in verse 24, we read, By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, choosing, considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Moms, look at Jacobed. Moses knew who he was. I'm a Hebrew. He knew his community. He knew where he belonged. He wasn't an Egyptian. He didn't belong in Pharaoh's household. He belonged among God's people. He knew. He knew what his purpose was. His purpose was to deliver Israel. Oh, and then. Moses believed the worst thing Jesus offers us, the worst thing Jesus offers for us, the reproach of Christ, the suffering. He believed the suffering and reproaches of Christ. The worst thing Jesus offers us is better than anything the world offers us. He was in Pharaoh, women, money, power, and he said suffering for a purpose, suffering for Jesus was greater riches than all the treasures of Egypt. Oh, what if that were true of us? What if that were true of us? That we believe that suffering with Jesus was better than all the treasures of our culture and all the approval of our culture. Wow what that would look like. See, Jesus is worth suffering for. 
We get a purpose worth suffering for. We, we get to be like Moses and choose and choose to suffer for doing what's right rather than doing what's wrong. And then we get an eternal perspective. And we say, okay, smiling, what would it look like to live with an eternal perspective? L let me show you. Let's look at Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 12, Therefore, verse 1, because of all those that have gone before us, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, listen, all those Christians who, who, who finished the race, they're all cheering us on. Let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. Listen, we are headed into more and more hostility in our culture. So, so the Bible says it's a good time to lay aside those things that hold us back. What's holding you back? Lay aside the encumbrances. Lay aside the sins so that we can run with endurance the race that is set before us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. How did Jesus endure? How did he endure being betrayed and denied and deserted? How did, he, how did he endure being mocked and spit upon? How did he endure being naked? He was naked on a cross. How did he endure it? How did he endure our sins? How did he do it? It was for the joy set before him. A few hours of excruciating pain and he looked beyond that to see the father saying well done good and faithful son he looked beyond that and he saw you and me with him forever and he said we were worth that i mean it makes sense that we would suffer for jesus but you know what makes no sense at all that he would suffer such for us fixing our eyes on Jesus. How will we do it? We fix our eyes on Jesus. We, we live with an eternal perspective. How will we suffer fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider, how can we do it? For consider him who has endured such by hostility by sinners against himself, Look at Jesus, gaze at Jesus, okay, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Jesus is worth suffering for. The bad news in the days ahead, we're going to suffer. And the good news is Jesus is worth suffering for. He gives us a purpose. It's big enough to suffer for. It's, it's big enough to die for, okay? He gives us the opportunity, we're all going to suffer, to suffer for doing what's right rather than doing what's wrong. He gives us an eternal perspective so that in the midst of suffering, we can look ahead and say, this is temporary, this is temporary, and pleasure is forever. Um, I'm sure some of you are saying, Smiley, this is a real upper message, okay? <laughs> hey, I want to prepare you. I want to prepare you for what is to come. Because when you get punched in the mouth, I don't want you to leave Jesus because you need him. You need him, okay? So what I want you to do this week is I want you to arm yourselves for suffering. I want you to arm yourself for suffering, okay? It comes right out of the Bible. Sometimes you might say, well, where do you get these action steps? It comes right out of the passage, doesn't it? Remember back in verse 1? 
Arm yourselves also with the same purpose. If you believed you were headed for suffering, would you want to prepare for it? We are. So prepare. Arm yourself. And you say, how? Well, I'm going to tell you two things. First of all, I want you to treasure Jesus. I want you to treasure Jesus. Hasn't it been good this week reading through 2 Corinthians? Hasn't it been good? And, and at, the end of, at the end of chapter 9, verse 15, it said what? Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. If you treasure Jesus above all else, if you treasure Jesus above your ease, if you treasure Jesus above your job, if you treasure Jesus above the approval of the world, you will be ready for what is to come. But if any of those other things are your indescribable gift, you are going to find the days ahead so difficult. So treasure Jesus. He's the indescribable gift. He's that one gift that can never, ever, ever be taken away from us. So this week, when we get up and spend time with Jesus, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. You're my treasure. You're my treasure. Jesus, may your Holy Spirit fall fresh on me that I would be willing to suffer for the cause you've called me to. May your Holy Spirit give me the desire to suffer for doing what's right and not wrong. May your Holy Spirit give me the ability to live with an eternal perspective. Throughout the day, as we face decision after decision, we can either do what the world is pressuring us to do, or we can do what Jesus is calling us to do, right? Treasure Jesus, treasure Jesus, treasure Jesus, because when Jesus is our treasure, following him will be our pleasure. You'll be amazed. When Jesus is our treasure, the freedom we have to follow him. Treasure Jesus this week. Arm yourselves. And secondly, team up, team up. Don't try and do this alone. Um, Team up. Uh, John Wooden, a great basketball coach, said, Rare is the college athlete who will do what he ought to do without a team to support him and a coach to exhort him. Let me tell you, rare is the Christian who's going to suffer and die by themselves. We need a team that's in with us, and we need a coach who's going to exhort us. We really, really do. Um, the Holy Spirit fell the church was birthed. As the gospel was preached, immediately there was amazing hunger. Thousands of people came to faith in Christ. But there was also open hostility, and they were being persecuted. When we speak up today, you know what we're going to find? Hunger. Wow, someone's willing to speak the truth. We'll find hostility, right? So you know what they did? You ever wonder what pastors dream about? This is what I dream about. When they faced hostility... Acts 4, verse 33, 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled, all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. Christians who wanted to make a difference in a hostile culture, the first thing they did was they... No, no, they gathered together. You know why they gathered together? Because they were frightened in their culture and their only hope was God. They gathered together, will we? As it becomes increasingly dangerous to gather together, will we gather together? First they gathered, then they prayed. 
Without you, God, we don't have a chance. We need you. And then what happened? The Holy Spirit fell, and they were shaken, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Oh, you know what I dream about? Sundays come, and we gather together. You know why? Because we want our lives to count and we need Jesus, right? I long that we gather in worship and we gather in small group. Why? Because we recognize how much we need Jesus, right? Oh, may we gather and pray and may the Holy Spirit fall and may we be shaken and speak the word of God with boldness. Aren't there many people in our community who need to hear about Jesus? Will we be bold enough to share? One last verse, then we're done. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10. Um, Hebrews chapter 10. We need Jesus in the days ahead, we do, but we need each other, okay? Um, listen, we might not like each other. You might not like me. I might not like you. But we need each other. We really, really do. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, let what? Us. Listen, the Christian life is a team sport. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who is promised is faithful. Have you noticed that as Christians in our culture have been punched in their mouth, many of them are walking away from the faith? Have you noticed? Listen, our church has many flaws. I'm the pastor. But let me tell you, we believe in Jesus. We believe the Bible is the Word of God. We are committed to doing this together. Are you? Let us hold fast. Hold fast to Christ. Hold fast to His Word. Hold fast to the mission. And then, notice, and let us... Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promises faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Do you know why we gather together? It's not to learn something new. It's so that I might stimulate you to love and good deeds. That's why we gather together. Listen, Jesus is worth suffering for. Jesus is worth suffering for. Jesus is worth suffering for. That's why we gather. And also... Not forsaking our own assembling together, says the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near, you can do it. We can do it. You can do it. We can do it. We gather together because we need Jesus and each other to, to follow him in this time, don't we? So listen, this week, we're going to suffer, okay? So arm yourself. Arm yourself for suffering. Treasure Jesus. Treasure Jesus Team up, let's do this together and let's remind ourselves and let's remind one another over and over again, Jesus is worth it. Jesus is worth it. Jesus is worth suffering for. Let's pray. Jesus, you are worth suffering for. What's amazing is you suffered for us while we were rebelling against you, thank you. Thank you for coming to seek and save us. Thank you for dying and rising so that we could have eternal life. And Listen, if you're here and you've never put your faith in Christ, won't you? 
We're all going to stand before the judgment seat of God one day. Don't you want it to go well with you on that day? Won't you? Put your faith in Christ. Jesus, I admit to you that I have sinned against you in many ways. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come in and forgive me and give me eternal life and be my Savior. And I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, if you've done that for the first time, won't you mark that on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you. And Jesus, I pray those of us who've received you that your Holy Spirit would fall fresh on us and we would want to follow you. Lord, that we want to follow you into a purpose big enough to suffer for, big enough to die for. Jesus, may we follow you and, and want to suffer for doing what's right in our culture rather than for doing what is wrong. Jesus, help us in the days ahead. Help us in the days ahead to live with an eternal perspective that we might go through suffering now. But help us to remember the joy set before us, the people that we've sacrificed so much for with us and with you forever, the the joy set before us of being with you forever. Help us to be willing to suffer now for the joy set before us. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.